On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. You're listening to Tall Can Audio. I have something to say to you! Here's your host. The issue here, sir, is that everyone fucking hates you. Matt Robinson. Yes, sir, we are off and running again. An all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. Welcome inside. The TCA studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Just me here today, riding solo, as you heard in the uh, the new intro there. Nobody fucking likes me. It's it's funny when you you put these things together yourself. Sometimes it hurts your feelings when you listen back later. <laughs> um, hope you're all having a great day. Thought we would uh, put together a bonus episode of the podcast. It's been a crazy week. Lots going on. And uh, it's been hard to keep up. It was going to be an awful lot to try and get to on Sunday. Uh, So we thought, why not throw down something extra right here in the middle? We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. You can let us know what you think of the shows there. uh, Either in the uh, the comments or the replies or the the direct messages. Uh, We're on Apple Podcast, Google Pod, Spotify. Anywhere you find your podcast, wherever you're hearing us right now, there's a, a subscribe button, a follow button. Go ahead, hit that, stick around, join us. we got lots of great stuff coming. We'll get to that in just a second. First, we always start in the same place. Just because it's just me here doesn't mean uh, I can't have a pint. So we're going to do that. It is the uh, Crooked Nose Stout from Cameron's Brewing Company down in Oakville. I think I've had this before a time or two, but... Uh, Looking forward to giving it another try, right? It's uh, It says here kind of a deep black with a, a tanned head. It has roasted barley and deep cocoa flavor. So we'll see what that's all about. Like I said, I think I've had this before, but uh, I can't remember a whole lot about it. We try a lot of beers around here, right? I can't be expected to keep them all straight off the top of my head. Man, where do we want to start? I guess we'll tee up what's coming. Uh, The Olympics underway. The opening ceremonies, I believe, Friday morning uh, Eastern, but uh, lots of competition already underway. Canada's mixed curling team at time I sit here and uh, and record, one and one. A loss to Great Britain and a win over Norway. Canadian women's hockey team is one and oh. Laid down a 12-1 beating on the poor Swiss. Uh, And the Americans with a 5-2 win over Finland. That was interesting. Maybe we'll touch on that in a second. Uh, this isn't a bad beer. Little, and this isn't a bad thing. It's not a complaint. It's a little plain compared to some of the stouts we've been trying on here. Right? As you guys know, I like some of the crazy stuff sometimes. Um, this is a lot closer to home, right? A more standard kind of stout and, uh, and pretty tasty. I should also mention before we move off the beer front, uh, cause we are going to talk a little about the crazy ass outburst from Rocky Wirtz owner of the Chicago Blackhawks. And exactly what that means is they try to continue to move forward. Uh, a couple of things out of the first few hours of the Olympics here that are now underway. And uh, maybe what that all means at the NHL All-Star Game this Sunday, which is, uh, I think, going to be a bit of a rocky ride. May have something to say about the, uh, the truckers that are still occupying downtown Ottawa as well as we go. We'll see. We'll see what we want to get into. But should mention before we move off the beer thing, I mentioned on Monday's show, which was episode 929, 
that uh, Nita Beer was donating a dollar from every pint sold to the Shepherds of Good Hope, which is a soup kitchen in downtown Ottawa. At one point, they were receiving so many donations. Uh, long before a couple of breweries stepped up, I know Spark stepped up as well. The only reason I'm not giving quite as much attention is because I think that was a one-day thing for Spark. Uh, I could stand to be corrected there, but uh, I don't want to be sending you to something that's over. Um, but the Shepherds of Good Hope had their website crash because so many people were donating, right? It had seen the story, had seen what had happened. And if you missed it on Monday, um, people who were a part of this freedom convoy, uh, whatever you may think of that, refused to put on masks to go into a local grocery store, refused to put on masks to go into uh, local restaurants, which is still mandated here in the nation's capital. These aren't necessarily owners taking a stand against the truckers. This was provincially ordered. That's why you're here to protest, right? The mandates, you don't like them. Probably should have thought that through before you got here, how you're going to eat anyway. Showed up at a soup kitchen, started harassing them. Well, we're hungry. And there's been plenty of videos posted that of them justifying this. Well, technically we are homeless. We're a long way from home. We have nowhere to stay. We have nowhere to eat right now. Forget the fact that you chose to put yourself in this situation. That's how they were justifying that uh, the soup kitchen should feed them. So staff were harassed until they gave in to de-escalate, right? These aren't people trained to deal with this sort of thing. So they fed them and management stepped in and said, yeah, no, we're not doing that. We're not feeding people who aren't homeless. We have a mandate here of people that we are supposed to be taking care of and you aren't part of it. Um, around the same time, one of the actual clients of the soup kitchen was assaulted and uh, one of the staff or security uh, from the Shepherds of Good Hope who stepped in, he was uh, harassed for trying to break it up. Anyway, this story made the loop, made the news quite quickly and people started donating quite a bit to uh, the Shepherds of Good Hope. They did accept a, a bit of money. They have now encouraged people, you know, slow down and whatever. With the actual food deliveries, they, they could not... Um, you know, physically could not store anything more or at least, you know, before it would go bad. So the a soup kitchen can always use cash, but uh, the food they had to put a stop to. Anyway, all of this is to say for the rest of the week still, our pals over at Nita Beer Company are putting a, a dollar from every beer they sell this week into the uh, Shepherds of Good Hope. So if you're like me, and I know most of you are, and enjoy a good beer, and you want to feel good about it, you want to feel like you're accomplishing something while you're buying your beer, this is one of those rare opportunities you can do good by buying beer. Uh, I have an order in. I was happy to see something new I hadn't tried before, uh, and maybe this will be the thing that makes you want to make a move as well. Uh, they have something else coming, or something available now called the Cockadoodle Brew. I don't know. I don't know what I think about the name. But it's a coffee lager, right, as opposed to a coffee stout. It's, it's going to be a little bit lighter. Uh, so I ordered a few of those. Ordered a few of the tiers of a Sasquatch, uh, one or two other things. And um, so we'll get into that on the show on Sunday when uh, when I record with Rob again. We'll have some of the, the things we picked up from, from Nita this week. But if you're on the fence, especially if you're here in the Ottawa area or uh, they do deliver province-wide, um, if you're wanting to kind of help out that way or you've been thinking about picking up a couple beers for the weekend but you weren't really sure about where to do that or where you wanted to go, not a bad time to, uh, to circle back around to Nita and uh, see some of your money go to a good cause over there as well. Um, lots of good stuff coming up. I mentioned uh, on episode 930 with Cheryl Pounder. If you haven't had a chance yet, check that out. Two-time Olympic gold medalist, now a broadcaster on TSN and, and for the next couple of weeks on CBC as uh, she's helping cover the, uh, the Olympic Games. And uh, she was here, and we had a ton to talk about. We talked about this year's edition of Team Canada, plus one of her uh, biggest games ever, one of the most controversial hockey games ever in Olympic history, that 2002 Olympic gold medal game between Canada and the United States. Asked her all about that. Plus her just sort of her transition into the broadcast world. Uh, really enjoyable conversation with Cheryl Pounder. That was episode 930. You can back and check that out. And I did say off the top of that episode, we had some cool stuff coming up. And that is uh, on Tuesday, 
February 8th. It'll be later in the day. I'm not going to hold these to the morning like I normally do because we're going to do some more episodes than usual during the Olympics. So they'll just drop when they drop, right? And uh, if you're a person who listens in the morning uh, on your commute, it'll be there. If you're someone who looks through it today and wants to pick them up, then, you know, these may drop a little earlier than, than usual. So uh, Tuesday, February 8th, Michaela Schreider will be back on the show. Screeds. Uh, co-hosted uh, for about a year or so before, uh, you know, moving on to other things. But uh, she's going to be back to talk about the Olympics, uh, mostly. Uh, whatever else has come up, you know, we may get into as well. But uh, with the Olympics going on, we wanted to be putting out a couple extra shows. So Michaela is going to be back for that uh, on Tuesday, February 8th, as well as Thursday, February 17th. These dates have not been chosen arbitrarily. Tuesday, February 8th, will be the very end of the preliminary round of the women's hockey tournament at the Olympics. Of course, you all know how excited Michaela is for uh, for women's sport and what an advocate is she is, uh, and what an advocate she is for that. And uh, so, you know, we'll talk all things Olympics, but there will be a, a lean towards the hockey, and uh, that only makes sense. So Tuesday will be the end of the preliminary round. We'll have seen Canada play everybody in their pool, including the United States, which I believe goes down on Monday evening to wrap up the round robin. And they'll be set for the playoffs. So we thought that was a good time to touch base, see how things are going. And Thursday, February 17th, is the day after the gold medal game of the women's hockey tournament. So Shrides is either going to be in a great mood or a terrible mood. Probably not going to be much in between. And again, we'll touch on all things that have gone on again throughout the Olympics that week and uh, and everything. But again, there will no doubt be a focus uh, on the gold medal game from the uh, the women's hockey tournament at Beijing 2022. So look for those. Uh, also next week, Maddie Lang back on the show. This will come at you on Thursday morning. We will keep that slot where we always have a show for you. That'll be Maddie's. We're just over a week away from the Super Bowl. The LA Rams, Cincinnati Bengals should be a really interesting one. Matty Lang is our NFL guy. He knows what's up. And uh, we'll bring him on to talk all things uh, Super Bowl and NFL and Tom Brady's retirement. We're giving Matty a couple days here to pull himself together. I imagine he's a little emotional. So... Uh, we wanted to give him a couple of days before bringing him on to talk about that. And I know he's going to want to talk a little bit about the uh, Canadian men's national team as well uh, as they continue their quest to qualify for the World Cup. So that'll be next Thursday morning with uh, Maddie Lang. That's February 10th. So lots of good stuff coming up. I mentioned the uh, Canadian men's national team there. Wednesday night, they go down to El Salvador. Grab a 2-0 victory there on the road to have a perfect window here. Three games, three wins. Uh, The El Salvador and the Honduras games are wins that you have to have. And it seems funny to say that because for years, Honduras was a house of horrors for Canada. Everybody remembers the 8-1 loss they took there. and You know... This Canadian men's team for a long time was sort of hanging around the bottom and it had better players, but a lot of them refused to come play for Canada because there, it had been such a gong show and it had never been all that successful. Not never. It had been 30 years since it had been successful. And you were always sort of left with this weird thing, very similar to what you were left with with the Canadian men's national basketball team. Guys not wanting to come play for it because they didn't think it was going to be successful. And you're like, Yeah. But if you came and played for it, it might be successful. When all your best players don't come, it's probably not going to be successful. And so we saw this for a while with the soccer team, right? Where they kept getting close. They would have one big game. And if you won here, it would set up something where maybe you could get to the next round of qualifying. And it would just fall flat. And it's personified by that game a few years back, an 8-1 loss in Honduras. This was not the only big loss they had suffered in Honduras. Uh, It was an inhospitable place to go. The fans were extremely passionate. They would set up uh, fireworks and and car horns. Uh, Car horns are topical right now. Uh, They'd hang out outside the hotel that the visiting teams would stay at all night making noise. And uh, the stadium itself was, you know, not very good. Uh, And the fans were right on top of you. And it was an intimidating place. And Canada lost a few games there that they shouldn't have. Well, this time they didn't. They went down, they got the win that they were supposed to get in Honduras. 
uh, got one in El Salvador on Wednesday. And then on Sunday afternoon, as we mentioned, while Rob and I were chatting that day doing episode 929, they beat the Americans, which is another, that's a, that's a tougher one. That's a team that's ranked ahead of you in the world standings. So you get the win there at home, three games in this qualifying round, three victories, and the odds right now say that Canada is like 99.8% qualified for the World Cup. There are three games to go in another window towards the end of March. But even if Canada were to lose all three of them, which isn't likely, you know, other teams behind them are going to lose and you may qualify your way in that way. But the odds makers say it's, it's 99% certain. Canada is going to the World Cup in Qatar in November. And it's been 36 years since you've been able to say that. And uh, it's exciting. It's been fun. I've talked about this before. Um, I am anything but a soccer hardcore or, you know, expert, anything like that. It's just been fun to sit and watch this, this audience get bigger and bigger and bigger with people like me that are jumping on the bandwagon. It's a very likable team. Like these guys that are coming out and speaking and saying, um, cause there are a lot of immigrants, a lot of refugees on this team and coming out and saying, this is uh, the goaltender, uh, Boreon. He said, like, this is what I can give back to Canada. He said, my, this country gave my family everything. He said, better schools, a better life, feel more safe. He said, this is all I have that I can give back. If I can help get Canada to the World Cup and help contribute to this national sporting pride that this country already has, he said, that's something I can do. That's something I'm proud to help contribute. And it's really hard to not get behind people who think like that and who talk like that, especially right now in such divisive times. Here's a guy who came from real hard times, not the stuff that we consider to be hard times over here, and just goes, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm grateful to Canada. And the one thing that I'm good at is stopping shots in soccer. And so I'm going to do my best with that and see if I can get Canada into the World Cup. It's a big deal to him. It's a big deal to a lot of people. So it's been fun to just get behind this group. You're seeing Alfonso Davies online. He's got this Twitch stream going because he wasn't able to play. Um, came down with a, a, a what they call, I, I don't know enough about this to, don't get up in my mentions or anything with the, my terminology here. They're saying a very mild case of myocarditis. And uh, they expect that he will return and play uh, within the next couple weeks and it'll be fine. But he did not play for Canada in these last three games. He's your best player. Arguably speaking, anyway. You could make a case this last couple days for Jonathan David. Uh, for a couple guys, maybe. But he's online losing his mind when Canada's scoring these goals. And these video clips are getting out and going viral. As this Canadian star is just like coming off as the most likable guy you've ever seen in your life. And it's just hard not to get wrapped up in it. So maybe we'll talk to Maddie more about that when he comes on next week. Um, he's certainly a more knowledgeable footy fan than I am. Uh, but this has been fun to watch. And yeah, Canada gets three more wins. And uh, they're going to the World Cup in Qatar. So uh, that will be exciting. You can look for that in November. Um, it's always interesting around the World Cup. You see the flags, right? Canada is, in a lot of ways, a country of immigrants. And you see flags from all over the world waving during the World Cup. And it'll be cool to see maybe some Canadian flags this time on those, uh, on those vehicles. Maybe how many, you know, people aren't having to, to go and cheer for places and maybe some will, right? Lots of people still proud of their heritage, but a lot of other people just saying that, look, Canada's never there. I'll cheer for where my grandparents came from or just whatever, randomly pick a team and get on board because it's fun or my favorite players from there. Maybe you get a little more Canadian this time, a little more uh, Canadian flags flying around, or a little more, uh, little more passion for the Maple Leaf when we get to the World Cup. It's going to be fun. I always laugh when I'm doing these shows on my own. There's no filler when I got to stop and take a sip. Half the fun of doing the show is sitting here having a beer, but normally you can sneak it in while somebody else is talking. Uh, tough start to the women's hockey tournament at the Olympics. Like I said, Canada won 12-1, so not tough competition-wise. But Melody Deu goes down with an injury. And uh, they've been pretty tight-lipped so far about how serious it is. But she's a seriously important part of this team. 
centering that second line with Natalie Spooner and Sarah Fillier. And man, what an Olympic debut for Sarah Fillier. I did reference Cheryl Pounder being on the show on episode 930. And that was the first name she gave me when I said, tell me a couple names the Canadians don't know that well right now. But by the end of the Olympics, Canada will absolutely know these names. And the first one out of her mouth was Sarah Fillier. Uh, Sarah Fillier's first shot at the Olympic Games goes in and she ends up getting, uh, getting another one not too long afterwards to get off to a fantastic start uh, for both her and for Team Canada. But her center, Melody Deu, goes down and uh, look, Canada's got plenty of depth to get through, especially this kind of round robin without too much trouble. But we don't know yet how long Melody Deu is going to be out. And so that's a little bit scary. The Americans find themselves in the same boat, although with a little more certainty. Uh, Brianna Decker, really tough injury to watch. It looks like an ankle. And when I say it's tough to watch, I made the mistake. I, I didn't watch the Americans versus the Finns on, uh, on Thursday morning. I was puttering away at a couple things here in the studio. And when I checked Twitter afterwards, I'd heard that, uh, that she'd gotten hurt. And then I saw a video pop up and I was like, well, let's see what happened. It's, it's not a good video. Don't watch it. Um, and it's not so much the injury because the camera is far enough back that, you know, you don't, it's not gross in that regard. It's the screaming. That's one of the things that happens in these empty arenas, which the Olympics are being contested in. Um, you can hear everything and you immediately start to hear her shriek when it first happens. And then she goes down and she's still screaming. And as she kind of settles down, there's still almost this like, I don't want to call it moaning, but it's, it, it's like lower in pitch. She is badly hurt. You can tell she's in, in big trouble and in incredible pain. And some of that gets drowned out in a full building when there's a bit of a crowd murmur. And obviously when there's a big injury like this, the crowds go pretty silent too, but it's not dead silence like these. It reminds me of, um, well, we, I, we've probably seen a few of them, but when the NHL bubbled for the first time to do those playoffs in August of 2020 and Jake Muzzin got hurt behind the net and it looked like a neck injury and a head injury that that's scary right and it was just made so much more scary and more eerie by the dead silence around it and then we saw it again in April when Corey Perry inadvertently knees John Tavares in the head and again it's dead silent and you can it it adds to the drama of it and, it and not drama in a good way but like it ratchets the tension up and you're like what's happening right now and it takes you out of that sporting moment which you probably should have you should be taken out of right somebody's badly hurt the difference with this one was the screaming like John Tavares was basically knocked out later on in the all or nothing Amazon series the cameras and microphones are up close enough that you can kind of hear him yell a bit and, and whatever. This is screaming and it, it's difficult to watch and really difficult to hear. And so I sort of wished, you know, I just heard she'd gotten hurt. So you click on the video, see what happened. I wish I hadn't clicked on the video. It's, it's stuck with you for a little bit. So, uh, she, for the Americans is out for the tournament. Uh, they've come back and said she's done. Um, it looked like towards the end of the game, she was sort of coming back out. They didn't have the full uh, injury report yet, but she was sort of back out in an area where she could be seen and she was in a walking boot. So that doesn't look good. And uh, the Americans have said in all likelihood, she's done for the tournament. This happens in the first period of the first game of the Olympics. You've worked four years to get here. Incredibly tough, right? So uh, rough start to the Olympic women's hockey tournament. Two stars go down one of Canada's top centers and certainly one of the Americans top wingers. Uh, yeah, not a, not a good start to the tournament in that regard. Uh, the hockey obviously was good for two of the teams. Um, entertaining to watch. I did stay up for most of the Canada Switzerland game, but, uh, these 1130 or 1110 starts, they make you kind of miss the West coast 10 PM games. You kind of go, I can handle that anything, but having to wait till 1115 again. So, uh, we wish both of those players a speedy recovery, but uh, yeah, kind of rough to get off to a start like that at the Olympics with two uh, such important players going down that fast. Now the truck people are still here. Well, some of them. 
nowhere close to what it was over the weekend. It dropped drastically on Sunday as most people had to get back to their real lives. Uh, it's just your hardcores here now, although they are predicting a possible second wave in Ottawa. I did read uh, in The Citizen on Thursday that there's also now a tractor convoy from somewhere near Alexandria, perhaps. It's planning to make its way here on Saturday in support. Uh, maybe some other truckers rolling back in. I'm not sure what you do here now. Because you have allowed them to get in, get settled, get set up. There was a command center. They've been given a parking lot at the uh, near the baseball stadium to pretty much do whatever they want with. It's out of hand. And there is a right to protest. You had to let them in. And now you have to find a way to get them out. My question is, do you have to let them in again? If there is this scheduled second wave and you're already having this problem and you can't get the originals out, do you have to let anyone who wants to come in and join again for the weekend once their work week is over, do you have to let them back in? Or can you close off the streets and just go, no, nothing else is coming in here, sorry. There will be people yelling and screaming that you are shutting down free protest at that point. And I'm not sure they're incorrect when you say that. Yes, we are. That's what we're doing. Like, how long is it a protest before it becomes an occupation? People who live in downtown Ottawa would tell you it's already an occupation. They're going through hell right now with the noise and the traffic and the stench. It's not good. So we let you have your protest, but it's not that thing anymore. Those people could argue, well, this is a new protest or we're joining the protest or it gets really hairy. It gets really complicated. Now, shutting off the streets isn't unprecedented. Every Canada Day, the streets are shut off. You cannot go downtown Ottawa. They don't let traffic in. It's all blockaded. Pedestrians only. It's part of having Parliament in downtown Ottawa on Canada Day. You know, you can only walk. And that's fine because for a long time we've just sort of recognized that as, yeah, that's probably going to happen. On Canada Day, it, on, on Parliament Hill, the capital of the nation. But not everybody loves it. It's an inconvenience for some, no doubt. But at least it's predictable. Canada Day, it's in and then it's lifted and it's over and you're back to whatever. And we did talk on Sunday, Rob and I, about the idea that if you buy property across from Parliament Hill... There are going to be inconveniences. There are going to be protests. Some days it's going to be hard getting home. Some days it's going to be noisy. But I don't think you ever volunteered to sign up for six straight days of this kind of noise, this kind of mess, late into the evening, these sorts of things. It's hard to get, like lots of people with disabilities and seniors are saying they can't get their groceries delivered. People walking home from work or whatever, if they're wearing a mask, are being yelled at and, and taunted. Um, you know, I think at some point we've crossed a bit of a line here. So could the cops put up a blockade and stop anybody new from coming in? I think that option has to be on the table for the weekend. There's also been rumors of more of these convoys showing up in Toronto and in Quebec City on the weekend for support protests or support rallies, whatever you would want to call it. Uh, your pal Dougie. Premier of Ontario basically waved him on in in an interview earlier today on CHML radio, which I believe is out of Hamilton, saying, well, if they're peaceful, yeah, come on down. God bless them. And fair enough. But at the same time, there are Toronto police and authorities already kind of putting in place certain blockades, places they don't want them getting in and, and getting stuck. Dougie, I assume, is fine with it because he'll go to the cottage. Whenever there's any kind of emergency, Doug can be found at the cottage. So the fact that Toronto could be turned into a parking lot as well is probably not of particular consequence to him. And really, they're not going to th protest him. He's a buddy. He's been oddly quiet until today. Didn't have much to say. The ones that are from Ontario here are likely his voters, so he doesn't want to upset them. We got an election coming up. When in reality, if you're protesting the mandates and the health measures and everything... Those are all provincially mandated and you should be at provincial capitals. But since it's not, and since it's just an anti-Justin protest, yeah, we're here on Parliament Hill. Justin's not on Parliament Hill, but at this point, there's train horns down there. 
Look, truck horns are loud enough. But for you to have brought a train horn just to attack the people who live in downtown Ottawa with this relentless noise, man, it's gross. And one of the things I'm seeing calling for, look, I want them out of there. This is over. You've had your time. Your point's been made. But it has to be done by the cops. And on Wednesday, the police had a press conference. City officials had a press conference and basically threw their hands and went, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. And the police chief wraps it up and goes, there may, be not, uh, there may not be a policing solution for this. So what then? Do they just live here now? This is the new reality. They're here forever. What he's saying is he wants the military to handle it. The military and Trudeau have both said, no. We're not there yet. We're not at this point. The RCMP can come in and help. Justin has offered that. They don't want that. They want military help. And you can't do it. The optics would set this thing up as a moment of national shame that would you'll be decades forgetting, especially for the people that are going to be on the receiving end of it. When you turn Canadian military on Canadian citizens who maintain that this is just a peaceful protest, this becomes one of the biggest things ever. Remember that time that the military was called in to break up a Canadian protest? The optics are awful. And I'm not saying the military would be brought in guns drawn, tanks rolling through downtown, although I do believe those tanks could pretty easily tow some of these trucks away. We're not talking about armed conflict. But this is the Ottawa Police Service is trying to hand this off to somebody else. And I do sort of understand that, that, that you're protesting something on Parliament Hill that is a national issue should the local police department uh, be the ones responsible for it. Maybe not. Although when you are the national capital, this is part and parcel. There are actual lines. There are fences drawn where like on one side of this fence, this, this is run or protected by the people who protect Parliament Hill. And on this side, it's protected by the Ottawa police services. So those lines are already sort of drawn. But you would be talking about the RCMP, not the military. I can't imagine the optics of Justin sending the military in to break up a group of conservatives. You would unite this group. You would give them sympathy. You would give them legitimacy. And this would be a moment of national shame for a very long time. You can't use the military. Ottawa Police Services and the RCMP are going to have to figure this out. And so far they haven't. It's been a pretty flaccid response, to be honest with you. And now they're here, they're entrenched. Not going to be easy to get this figured out. And they don't appear to be anywhere close. I read uh, on Thursday morning in the paper, they handed out some parking tickets and fines, which I guess it's a start. Like, you weren't even doing that before. Um, you know, people are, uh, the people screaming that, you know, that this is the national capital, these things happen and point to other G7, G20 countries like London and like France and like Berlin saying, we're not a backwater. These things happen in national capitals. It's true. They do. But what you don't know or don't understand is that in those states, in other big G7 countries, traffic around the national capitals is extremely tightly restricted, not throughout the whole city, but right close to those buildings, you either cannot drive there or you have to clear security checkpoints. So yeah, Ottawa is, is supposed to be a big G7 global hub, you know, where you should expect these sorts of things. But do you really want those measures implemented here or do you want to be able to continue freely traverse through the, the national capital region? These are all things that are on the table right now. All things that are going to be evaluated, I'm sure in the future, does this stretch of Wellington become free of cars? That'll be on the table as we move forward here. As it is in other national capitals, you may lose this altogether. It may become a pedestrian-only area. As it is on other big protests or Canada Day celebrations or big occasions where the Queen comes, whatever the hell it might be, Wellington gets closed all the time along Parliament Hill. I think you might see the possibility that that becomes permanent. 
it's just going to be the way it is. But right now, they got to figure out a way to get these guys out of there. It's down to a couple hundred at this point. Like to allow a couple hundred people to to hold a country hostage is ridiculous. Some of the the leaders that you're seeing walking around now supporting them or uh, meeting with them all on the conservative side are the same people like Aaron O'Toole who got punted this week. It is sort of ironic that these people came to dissolve the government and have Trudeau step down, have basically <laughs> dissolved the opposition and had O'Toole step down. Um, you know, he was right there as was Paulie ever saying, you know, back in 2020, just before the pandemic, this has almost been forgotten. The, the wet sweat and protests, right? When they had blocked the via tracks, uh, they had blocked some other stuff out West that you can't block infrastructure. They were putting together legislation. They were furious with these people. Well, now that they're your voters, they have to be allowed to do this for as long as they want. You can't interfere with protest. The hypocrisy. Come on. Come on. You got to have a memory longer than, you know, this past Saturday. One or the other, man. Everyone can protest or nobody can protest. Everybody can block roads and streets and highways and train tracks and pipelines or nobody can. You don't get to pick and choose when it's your people. Anyway. That continues to be the big story here in Ottawa, although it does appear across the country to be fading a little bit in terms of its uh, level of, you know, feverish coverage like it was getting over the weekend. But here in downtown Ottawa, people are still not impressed and uh, want this mess cleaned up. And there is no sign at all that that's close to happening. Now, let's move on to something else. Everybody's favorite NHL teams back in the news today. Rocky Wirtz owner and chairman of the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, he got himself into a little trouble Wednesday night. Uh, for those who haven't followed this story as closely, the Blackhawks, of course, are the ones that have been under siege for the last year or so. The Kyle Beach scandal, um, players being sexually assaulted and then having it covered up for the better part of a decade before Kyle Beach. Well, he came out um, under a you know, John Doe under a protected name and put this forward before eventually coming out and putting his actual name on it. Um, that has been settled, that lawsuit in, uh, I believe in December. But Brad Aldridge was the coach who apparently, uh, not allegedly, this happened, uh, went ahead and, uh, and assaulted players in the Chicago Blackhawks organization back in 2010. It was covered up because... It was an important playoff race. Can't be distracted. Got to get that cup. They did win the cup. Brad Aldridge was allowed to attend all the, the festivities. He got a day with the cup. Um, and then was allowed to quietly go somewhere else with a letter of recommendation that allowed him to start going and working at universities and other places where he continued to assault people in, uh, at that point, students. And... All of this has culminated with uh, an, an investigation. Block and Jenner, I believe is the name, or Jenner and Block, is the name of the uh, independent law firm that conducted the investigation over the last year or so to figure out who knew, who didn't know, and uh, who, you know, helped cover it up, all these sorts of things. So Rocky Wirtz, in that report, was cleared, or at least they said there was no evidence to suggest that he had known about this and covered it up or did nothing about it. Um, but uh, many other people apparently were uh, did know and, and were named, um, and most of them are gone. Stan Bowman was kind of the last, the last piece of that. He was the general manager of the Blackhawks then, and right up until this fall, and uh, he was let go. You were a part of this. You got to go. Joel Quinville was the head coach. He had moved on to the Florida Panthers. He was named in this. And within a couple hours, he had stepped down or been fired, depending on whose story you want to believe from even the Panthers saying, yeah, no, you got to go. So what happens is on Wednesday night, the Chicago Blackhawks 
are having a what they're calling a town hall, but it's a PR event. And it is the first time that Rocky Wirtz, who at one point was beloved in Chicago. Uh, for people unfamiliar, that was an archaic organization in the way it was run under Rocky's father for a long time. Bill Wirtz, one of the cheapest owners in league history, they called him Dollar Bill Wirtz would not allow almost any money to be spent on the team. He did not allow home games to be televised in Chicago because in theory, if it was on TV, you could stay home and watch. If it wasn't and you wanted to see the game, you'd have to go. When he finally dies and Rocky takes over, he starts putting money back into the team he starts putting the games back on television and he becomes more accessible to the fans. And he had seats in the upper section of the 100 level. And by all accounts, for years after he took over, there were people constantly coming by to thank him, to shake hands for, you know, being appreciative of him putting this organization back on the map. And he did. The Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups from 2010 to 2015 a model organization, we thought. And then this story hits, and like I said, he was not named as someone who knew and covered it up, but he disappeared, and he stopped facing, you know, stopped showing up, stopped facing the crowds, all these sorts of things. There was some shame tied to the Chicago Blackhawks, and rightfully so. So he and his son, Danny Wirtz, who is the CEO, um, have to make a statement when all this comes and the the based on uh, after the 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 investigation is completed on we're going to be more accountable we're going to be more transparent we're going to move forward you know we're going to do all the things that a modern sporting organization should be doing and that's been it they haven't faced the media since they haven't taken questions since so this town hall comes around fans are watching live on the website and on YouTube the media is there they're allowed to ask questions they are still searching for a new general manager. As I mentioned, they fired Stan Bowman over his involvement with this scandal. So that's on the table. Uh, you know, the team's rebuild, what might be coming next. All these sorts of things are, are supposed to be discussed. And you have to know, because I'm going to play the audio for you here in a second. It didn't go so good. You have to know, because you haven't made yourself available to answer these questions and to talk about everything that's happened that this question is coming. People are going to ask you, what are you doing now to make sure what happened then never happens again? What are you doing to be more transparent and accountable? Those were Rocky's words. We're going to be more accountable and more transparent. Okay, cool. What's happening inside the organization on that front? How's the rebuild coming? How's the hiring coming? What protocols and principles have been put in place to make sure that what happened to Kyle Beach never happens again? Now, I want you to listen. The first voice you're going to hear, and the audio, it's a little rocky because it's a reporter asking someone up at the microphone. So the reporter is a little bit quieter uh, than rocky is going to be. Listen for a couple of voices here. The first voice you're going to hear is reporter Mark Lazarus of The Athletic asking what you're doing to look forward here and, and what, have, what have you put in place to make sure what never happened? Uh, how are you empowering the players to make sure this never happens again? Then you'll hear Rocky Wirtz give a terrible answer. Then you'll hear his son, Danny Wirtz, the CEO, try to jump in and save dear old dad. Try and cover up for dad. Well, actually, I can tell you what we're doing. And then you will hear Rocky again go, no, no, no. Bust down his son and this uh, this reporter. Uh, and then there's a second clip. This is reporter Phil Thompson from the Chicago Tribune. He tries to follow up on a similar topic, but slightly different. And Rocky jumps down his throat again. So you'll hear Rocky respond to him and, uh, and then kind of neuter his son again by handing it off at the very end back to his son, uh, Danny Wirtz. 
I'll drop the audio in here. We'll talk about it in a second. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to answer the question at okay. the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not talking about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, that's I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. A little mystified here because uh, during the Jenner and Block briefing, uh, you guys talked about a change in culture and transparency and demonstrating the, the, the new culture and values um, that are going to protect players and protect the organization uh, in the future. And it seems like the, the second that we asked a question about that, um, it, it, it's met with resistance. So I'm going to ask it again. I answered it. No, I don't. I, I answered it. And I told you to get off the subject. You didn't I'm not gonna, we're not going to bring up the report. No, you I'm, read it. I, we're not and, asking and, about the report. We're I know, asking you're about, talking about what, the, what the report the was talking about, and I told you we're we're moving on. Now, we're I don't like these. I, I think you're out of line to ask this future. line of questions. Why don't you ask about something else? Why don't you ask about the GM? Okay, I will ask Why don't you about, do something else? Okay, I will Why do you ask bring about up old, old business? Some of the some of the uh, season ticket holders that I've talked to said that um, they're having trouble maintaining value on their resale because. You know, a lot of people. Is that paying, a fact? Are you, are you, I, I didn't realize you're in our ticket part, department. Okay. Well, what I'm on. saying is. Why, come on. Could, Let's if, talk about all the negative stuff. When I talk about your negative. paper and, how, people, and, what, and what the sports page looks like, should I do that? No, these are dedicated. And you can't fans. even get our elite scores? Rocky, can I finish my, my question? They say they want to uh, hold on because they value the Blackhawks, but they want to defray some of the costs. You've seen that uh, attendance has been dipping. Uh, I want to ask why you think it's dipping and what can they do to maintain their value so when they renew a package, uh, they can defray some of their costs. That's a fair question. Yes, it is. So Jamie can answer that. Wow. Okay. Lots to unpack there. What you don't get from the very beginning there, when Danny Wirtz tries to jump in and say, you know, I'll tell you, I, I can handle, I can take it. I'll, I'll tell you what we're doing now. And dad, dear old dad. No, no, it's none of your business. There is a finger point happening in that moment that would have taken down a brick wall. He's pointing at his son. He's pointing at the reporter. And the reporter is asking Danny. And Rocky's the one who jumps in and says, I'll answer that. And then doesn't. Tells you all the reasons he doesn't have to answer it. He doesn't want to talk about it. We're done with this. And when Danny tries to save things because he is CEO of the team and maybe slightly more in touch with what is being done, his dad tears him down too. Now, also on stage are like a, a, another president of the team, a media member um, who is moderating the, the discussion or like hosting for them. It's over. They can't say anything. The guy who signs the checks, the chairman and the owner, has just berated a reporter embarrassed his son, who is the CEO of the team, in front of everybody and said, no, you can't answer that either. Well, what do you expect the rest of them to do? You just blew up all the goodwill that you might have built. And this is tough for Blackhawks fans. Like, there are a lot of them online, and, and rightfully so, because I have no idea what I would do if in their situation. There was all that talk back in the 90s when they uncovered everything that was going on at Maple Leaf Gardens, right? And the abuse that had been suffered there. I was too young to really understand what was going on, why it was a thing. Would I have taken it out on the players? 
do I know who knew, all that sort of stuff. I don't know. You kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and go, this is a new group, new ownership, new management, new players. Like, all of it is, I guess you sort of carry on. And I think to a certain extent, that's where Blackhawks fans were at at this point, right? This all came out in 2021. You're embarrassed. You don't really want to go out tomorrow in your Blackhawks hat. Um, But at the same time, it's been 10 years since this happened. Everyone who was involved has either already moved on or has now been fired. And you can kind of go, I'm going to believe them when they say they're aware that this was a problem. They have cleaned it up. Everyone who was involved is gone. It's safe for me to continue as a fan. And the organization comes out and says, we will make sure this never happens again. All right. If I'm a Blackhawk fan, I'm probably going, yeah, all right. Like that sucked, but you probably are ready to carry on cheering for your favorite team. And then this happens where the owner comes out and goes, nope, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about Kyle Beach. You have no right to ask us about that. Like every piece of it just blows up. First of all, transparency and accountability, not so much. And at the very top of the pyramid, like I I do believe that, that Danny Wirtz and a lot of people who work for the Blackhawks have started to put in you know, some work and some protocol to make sure that this doesn't happen again and that there are proper ways to report these things and that no one has to feel that way anymore if they work for the Blackhawks. They've started to build a more modern front office. But it's all completely discredited when the guy at the very top of the pyramid just shreds it all. We don't have to talk about that. We're not talking about that. you and like berates his own son, like what a bully. He's being abusive to the media and to people who work for him. Forget the fact that the person who works for him is his family. I think we get a good picture of how things go at uh, around the Wirtz household. Not that they all still live together. They're older gentlemen at this point, but you know what I'm saying. You completely blew up any good work that the Blackhawks might have been able to do here over the last little while to rebuild any sort of goodwill. And everybody who works for the organization now, who may come in the future to some problem, whether it be as serious as what happened to Kyle Beach or not, well, why would I report this? Eventually, this has to work its way up the chain of command, and that's the guy at the top? He doesn't seem that sympathetic. He doesn't seem like someone who's really got my back. He seems like someone who wants to duck any responsibility, who wants to make sure that, you know, this story just dies and goes away. It's a pretty gross look. And if I'm Danny Wirtz, I am furious. How do I, how am I the CEO of this company tomorrow, knowing that I was dressed down by my own father on stage in front of the fans and the staff? I'm trying to save your out-of-touch ass by going, well, okay, but, you know, we can tell you this is what we're doing and these are the steps. No, shut up. No. Thanks, Dad. Okay. What a mess. It's funny because on Wednesday, just before the NHL shut down for the All-Star weekend, uh, Alex Ovechkin tested positive for the, uh, caught some of the Omicrons. And uh, thus has to enter protocol for at least five days. Oh no, I can't go to the All-Star game. Now I may be painting that a little bit cynically as I do from time to time. But Alex Ovechkin in 2020 didn't go to the All-Star game. There was a rule put in place. If you don't go, you have to be suspended for a game either before or after. And he was like, all right, use a night off anyway. And I think there was another time he chose not to go as well. Alex Ovechkin, at this point in his career, at 36, 37, whatever he is, is not that interested in going to the All-Star game. Did he actually test positive for COVID? Probably. Is it possible that it was just like, eh, I'm not going. The reason I bring it up is on the Friday of All-Star weekend, 
Gary Bettman always has a press conference, kind of a state of the league Q&A. And I have a feeling he knows what the first question he's going to be asked is, and probably the second, third, and fourth after this Rocky Wirtz outburst. And I wonder if Gary Bettman is suddenly going to get one of those conveniently timed cases of Omicron where he doesn't have to be there either. Obviously, I'm being a little facetious for all the things I don't like about Gary Bettman. The ducking and the condescension and the dodging of questions, whatever. He does at least usually show up. But All-Star Weekend just became Rocky Wirtz Weekend. The Chicago Blackhawks scandal right back out in front. We're all going to talk about it now. And that's all Gary's going to be asked about. I can't imagine he's particularly thrilled with, uh, and this is one of his top guys, like the executive committee of the National Hockey League is made up of, I think it's eight owners. And these are your most entrenched guys. It's the Jacobs family uh, in Philadelphia, the Snyder family in, uh, excuse me, the Jacobs family in Boston, the Snyder family in Philadelphia. Um, and yeah, Rocky Wirtz. And these are people, Rocky Wirtz included, the Wirtz family, the Illich family in Detroit, who got Gary this job. I don't think they're going to turn around and force Rocky Wirtz to sell. I don't think they can do that. I think he's too entrenched. I think he's too much part of the, the fabric of the league, as gross as that is to say. But they're going to be pissed. You already cost the league all kinds of horrible press with this whole thing. And when you're supposed to be out here kind of putting a good face on it and cleaning it up, you say that again? You say, we're done. We don't have to answer your questions. We're not talking about Kyle Beach. Not good. You just dragged it all right back out into the open again. Like, it makes you wonder what the hell he was thinking. Because again, as I said off the top of this topic... You knew this question was coming. It's a town hall full of reporters. You haven't met with the media or answered questions on this since the report. This was a tee up. You knew someone was going to ask you, hey, some bad shit's happened here. What have you done to make sure it's not going to happen again? And at that point, even the reporter kind of has said since he asked it and this blow up happened, he goes, I felt like it was kind of a softball because you've had weeks to prepare for this. You knew you were going to get asked. And even if you give one of those shitty corporate mealy mouth, really nothing answers, that's just like, oh, we think it's really important this and we're going to make sure of that. And, you know, we take this all very seriously. The question's answered. It's probably a shitty answer. But it all moves on. This was easy because you knew it was coming. You had time to prepare exactly what you wanted to say. And instead, you flew off the handle, yelled at the reporter, yelled at your staff on stage. And I love at the end of the second clip when the reporter goes, come on, this is a fair question. goes, yes, it is. So Danny can answer that. So Rocky's not going to answer it. And the son, the CEO that he's now neutered, He's like, here, you take this one now. You have my permission, son, to answer this question that I have screened for you. Fuck, you're killing me, dad. It's insane that it got to this point, and that's what Gary's All-Star Weekend is now going to be all about. This mess in Chicago being dragged back out into the daylight. And Gary, who normally would like to say something like, well, this is a weekend of celebrating the best players in the league. We don't want to focus on all our... He can't. That's what Rocky Wirtz just did, is saying we don't want to talk about it. The questions are going to be, how come he won't talk about it? Your answer can't be, I don't want to talk about it. You buried Gary Bettman heading into the All-Star weekend. It's a gong show. Last thing before we move off of this, or last thing before we wrap it up. The All-Star Weekend does go this weekend. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Honestly, it's not really mine anymore. I don't want to get into the whole, you know, rosters this and every team being represented. 
there are two events in the skills competition that I think are fun. They're going to try something here. And I kind of shit on this in 2020. The All-Star Game is in St. Louis, I believe. And they tried this thing where you, the players went and stood up on a platform and had to shoot it and hit a target. It was weird and stupid. They're going to try something similar but different. And there's actually two that are going to take place because uh, the All-Star Game is in Vegas. Out on the strip. The players are going to be taken by a boat at the Bellagio, kind of out into this, the, the fountains there. They're world famous. You know the fountains. They're, the, the water shoots up and there's all kinds of geysers and stuff. And it's, it's, it's a really cool uh, setup that they have. And so players are going to be taken out there onto these platforms and given a target to hit. But you will be impeded by whether or not the geyser shoots off at that point, right? The fountain shoots water out in front of you at the wrong time and knocks your puck down. That one is fine. It's interesting to me. It's just take, it's photo, you know, it's a Photoshop thing or not Photoshop thing. It's a photo opportunity thing that, um, we're here in Vegas. We might as well take advantage of some of the more well-known elements of Vegas. It's worth a shot, whatever. The other one is they're calling, uh, 21 and 22 because it's 2022 and they're going to play 21 or blackjack again. We're in Vegas. Let's lean into it. It does make me laugh that for a very long time, the NHL refused to go to Vegas because they didn't want, um, you know, any of this gambling stuff tied to them. There was a team name. It might've been the aces. I can't remember that Vegas wanted to use at one point. And they said, no, we cannot possibly reference gambling. We don't want any part of that. Uh, now we're playing blackjack at the all-star game skills competition. So be it. The idea is you're going to shoot a puck at these oversized cards and you want to get it's blackjack. You want to hit two of them that, you know, get you as close to 21 without busting. And so you sort of pick. And if you miss, maybe you end up hitting the four instead of the king, like whatever it might be. I'm intrigued by this one. It's different. It's fun, I guess. One of the reasons I'm intrigued is this could be really cool. This also could be a disaster. When you try new things like this, how long does it take for them to hit the cards? And, you know, it, does it not topple the way you want it to? Like there, there is a chance for this to suck. And we've all seen it. You know, whether it be the NHL or other sports that they're all starting, they try a new contest and you're like, oh my God, this is freaking terrible. This could be that. It might be like, there's, there's very little chance in my mind that this blackjack one has any chance at all of being, you know, fine. I think it's going to be really cool or just horribly fall apart, painful to watch, embarrassing for everyone involved. And that might get my attention. I have time for watching that sort of thing happen, but it's kind of cool. And by doing these two, I believe that one's also happening it on the strip. I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember this, uh, how this is all going down. But when you do stuff like that, it also breaks up some of the dull parts of the competition because like after a couple of these, they have to keep coming out and scraping the ice and doing the Zamboni and everything. Right. And so the whole thing grinds to a halt, but now you can take your cameras out onto the strip. Watch that while the ice is being flooded and then come back in for the other contests. One of the other cool things they did, um, they've brought in some celebrity goalies for the breakaway contest. Uh, Manil Rayom is going to be there. Um, if you'll remember, Manil Rayom is the one who played um, for the Tampa Bay Lightning for an exhibition game, the first ever woman to put on an NHL jersey and, uh, and play an NHL exhibition game. I'm not trying to be an asshole. It seems like she might be getting up there a little bit, so I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, also, Wyatt Russell. Uh, most people know as an actor, if they know him at all, but he is Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son. And he played in some minor pro leagues. He played junior hockey um, for a long time as a goaltender. Uh, growing up, as a, like I said, as a junior, and then I think played some minor league uh, in his 20s. Um, he's been invited in as well to be a, a goalie. And there are a couple other celebrities that they've brought in to be involved. And I mean, that's kind of neat. Like one of the things that the goalies in the NHL don't love about the all-star weekend is they're usually embarrassed. Like nobody plays defense. Everybody's shooting like crazy during the game. So they look terrible. Um, and same in the breakaway competition, you're encouraging these players to do moves that are going to humiliate the goalie. 
well, maybe this is a way around it. These are celebrity goalies. It doesn't really matter. You know, do what you're going to do. And, and maybe that's one way around it. Because they've also brought in um, some of these skilled shooters from YouTube. Uh, Pavel Barber uh, is the big one um, that, that I remember. There's a couple others that like their whole YouTube or Instagram, TikTok persona is these wild trick shots. So they've involved them. Bring them in. Let them either take a couple shots or let them teach a couple NHLers a couple of moves or give them some tips. And then they go and try it. Maybe you save your NHL, NHL goalies from being humiliated by having these celebrities do it. So, you know, could be fun. I think I'm more likely to watch this year than most years just because of some of these things they're trying. But the Olympics are also on. I'm more into that. This isn't something that I will be glued to. Um, but, the, you know, we always say the NHL All-Star Game is for the city that it's in. Those fans love it. Kids still love it because you get to see, you know, in theory, some of these great players on a line together, you know, might Connor McDavid end up setting up, you know, Nate McKinnon or something like that. You know, it, that part of it can be kind of fun that these crazy combinations and, um, you know, the kids enjoy it. And, and so that's who it's for, right? But I'll flip it on and see what some of these skills competitions look like. I, I've missed it the last couple of years. And so, um, intentionally missed it. I don't mean, oh, I missed that. No, it's, uh. I haven't been interested, but we'll see this year what it looks like. But if there's Olympic stuff going on or things more interesting, uh, it's not like I'll be glued to it. But I do enjoy that they're going to try these two things. Like I said, mainly just for the high wire act that it sort of looks like it's either going to be great or it could just bomb horrifically. And and that could be fun too, right? So uh, I think we'll end things here. It was just sort of a, a little midweek show, a couple things on my mind that I assumed we probably wouldn't get to on Sunday. So I thought we might share it with you guys. Uh, here as we go through the week. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed uh, Cheryl Pounder on episode 930. If you haven't had a chance to check that out yet, go back and check it out. She was terrific. Uh, a ton of personality. Great insight. Uh, really happy she made some time for us. And like I said, Michaela Schreider and Maddie Lang both back on the show next week as well. So stick around for those uh, on Tuesday and Thursday respectively. Until then, my name is Matt Robinson and we will see you all next time on Tall Can Audio. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. It was a disgrace. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.